In the following live session recording, Monique Johnson, director of Thrive, First Baptist Church, Woodstock, Georgia, talks about nuts and bolts of special needs ministry. Do you have a ministry to children with special needs at your church, or have you considered beginning this type of ministry? In this session, the listener will learn some of the basic things your church can do from someone who has a heart for special needs ministry and has the experience to help others. Let's join Monique now. All right, so this is the Johnson Five. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit about me so that we can kind of build a really quick relationship and we can communicate a little bit better when we do that. So this is, again, we go by the Johnson Five. We, um, my husband, AJ, we've been married about 17 years. Um, we have Faith, who is 16. We have Hope, who is 14. And we have AJ the second, who is 12. So you heard me, 12, 14, 16. Busy, right? Yeah. Very busy. And I am at First Baptist Woodstock, um, pretty much right now full time. And believe it or not, I decided, because I'm so just full of ideas, to homeschool two of them. Huh. I'm homeschooling the seventh grader and the ninth grader. So this is going to be a pretty interesting year and working full-time ministry. I am doing a co-op. So that means they are going to take all their classes. I'm not that special in my, you know, I knew better. So they're going to do all their classes at what we call Living Science. And then they, um, and then I'll help support at home. And again, I just thought about something. And with those two, um, kind of ties into special needs ministry, I realized for years that they needed a different environment. Um, it's so funny. They were at one of the largest um, middle schools in Georgia. I think they're pushing about 2,000 students at their middle school. And so we went to this homeschool um, interview and the lady was so funny. She was like, oh my God, this is the biggest class we ever had. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I must be in the wrong place because I was trying to move away from 2,000. So she's saying, yes, there's such a big group of ninth graders, Hope. And then she said, there are 20. And I was like, 20 ninth graders? Like, really? So we're very excited about that. And then his language arts class, there are four students. So I feel like we're in a really good place, and I'm excited about that. Also in this picture, we have Grizzly and Little Bear, which is our plus two. And so that has kind of shaped. I was a public school teacher for 16 years, and honestly, I love teaching. You're going to notice in a moment that I taught elementary school students. I'm going to move a lot because I'm used to doing that. I might stand on a table or a chair because I'm used to doing that too. But I got to the point when I realized I love teaching math. I love teaching science, but I could not tell them about Jesus. And so I started searching for something different. And that's when I came to our church in the elementary ministry. They hired me there. And then after a few years, probably about two or three, we did Night Design, which is the Tim Tebow Foundation. If you know that, we're going on our fifth year. And after that first year, our pastor already had a granddaughter who has CP. But again, there was a ministry there since 1993. It had been there, but it was, you know how you have those ministries sometimes, they're off to the side. And people know they're there. Well, some people know, not everybody. You all probably don't have those kind of ministries at your church. But they're not being nurtured. You know, the mom, she was a sped teacher, so she wanted to take care of her son because there was no place for him. And so for years, she served every single Sunday. And so we get to Night to Shine. We realize, and our pastor realized, this is a people group. This is a large mission field. 
and we raised over um, $170,000 to do a suite that we have. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. And yes, it's a lot of money went into that suite, but I tell people when they come to visit, the walls are beautiful, it's big. It didn't start that way. It started in one room, but what matters is the heart of those who are doing it. So just because we spent so much money, if we're not doing it right, and if we're not doing it with the right heart, it won't make a difference. And so that's just a little bit about me and what I do. So again, we're talking about the who, the why, and the how. One thing that I've learned that anytime I teach, first of all, I'm always humbled by the opportunity, but I cannot teach without the word. So I'm always going to start with the word of God before I teach anything. And what I've learned, that God has met me there and he's allowed me to teach through his word. Okay? So we're going to look at Mark 2. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Okay? It's a lot of writing up here, but no worries. I'm going to read it to you. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So there were many, right? And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a man that was paralyzed, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat that the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. So, there are some key things here. First of all, the first word here, the first thing we're going to look at is the who. Some men came bringing to him a man that was paralyzed, carried by four of them. But there was a crowd. Did you hear that part? There was a crowd. So, why didn't this crowd see this man and move to let him in? Think about that. Why didn't they make the gospel accessible. We're going to talk about that tomorrow morning. Why didn't they make it accessible for him to get to Jesus? Why was there only four men when there was a crowd that actually wanted to help him get to Jesus? So, one of the things we're going to talk about now is the who. Can you pass out? So she's going to pass out. I'm sorry, I forgot to remind you. I have a copy of the PowerPoint for you to follow along with me, and she's also going to give you this. So I'm going to wait until you get this. The five stages. This is about to revolutionize your way of thinking about special needs ministry. So find where we are. And then we're going to talk about the five stages. When you're ready, we're going to start on stage one. Now, I have struggled to put into words what it is God was planting in my spirit. And only about a month ago, a pastor that I met was talking to me. Actually, it's a church that I'm helping to start their special needs ministry. He heard me talking. He said, I have to sing you this. And this has changed my life. So I want to prepare your hearts for what you're about to do. And I want you to learn something that's a little bit different about why you're doing what God is putting in your heart. Okay, so let's look at stage one. Stage one, first of all, these are the stages, the journey of disability attitudes. Stage one, ignorance. Listen to this. Weaknesses and disabilities are a sign that God either does not care for 
or care or is not able to fix the situation. In fact, they may be a result of sin or a lack of faith. God is not involved in the life of someone with a disability because he cannot use people who are so broken. Stage one. Now, before I go on, without raising your hand, without letting me know, the goal of this is for you to identify what stage you're on. This is very important. You will never be able to do special needs ministry if you do not understand what stage you're on. And the goal is stage five. Okay? Stage two. Pity. I feel sorry for people with disabilities. It's too bad, really. We move down a little bit. People with weaknesses and disabilities obviously need someone like me to help them and give them meaning. Due to their troubles, I really don't see any meaning or purpose to their lives. Stage two, pity. All right? Stage three, care. Like me, people with disabilities were created in God's image. Sounds a little bit better, right? By that virtue alone, alone, they have value. Listen to this part. I hope that someone will take the time to show them God's love. What does it sound like it care? Instead of you doing it, you're saying what? I hope that somebody else will do it. Another thing we're going to talk about that's very important is to identify what stage your church is on. This is going to be very important. Not only do you have to identify where you are, you have to identify where your entire church is. Alright? Stage four. Friendship. I have come to know and spend time with a friend who has a disability. This person has value in God's sight, but also in mine. And I know that my life is better for having known this person. And as much as I have helped her, she has also blessed me. Now, I can tell you personally, after being at a church right now for five years, only being in special needs ministry for about two, that we as a congregation is in between stage three and four, okay? I've identified this recently with some of my leaders when I share this with them. So friendship, guys, the key to stage four is that people have to have an opportunity at building relationships. If you have individuals at your church who have special needs but they're tucked away, People will never move through these stages. It's one thing to see it and see someone else doing it. It's another thing to interact and to build a relationship with someone. That's the only way you're going to move to what we consider the goal, and that is stage five. Listen to this. If God has called each of us to serve and praise him with every fiber of our beings, then he has done the same for our brothers and sisters in Christ with disabilities. I think ministry should not just be to people with disabilities. This is where it changes. This is where your heart has to be in order to do ministry. I think ministry should not just be to people with disabilities, but with or alongside people with disabilities. Think about that for a moment. If you are a part of a ministry that realizes that we are all to be co-laborers, you are going to treat individuals with special needs differently. You're not going to just bring them on a Sunday morning and babysit. You're going to be intentional about them learning the word of God. Because in order for them to be a co-laborer, they have to understand the gospel. Now, will they understand it just like you? Maybe, maybe not. 
I just received an email um, from a parent who was so excited because her son, who's a little girl, he comes on Sundays and Wednesdays, they've been teaching him to type. What he typed almost made me not able to stand here and to deliver this message to you today. Let me see if I can find it. I'm going to read it to you. So our ministry is called Thrive. And let's see. One of the things he said to mom was, Dear mom, I love going to Thrive. I sing the way I die. Okay, the reason he's saying that is because we do karaoke on Wednesday nights. And he's been singing um, Toby Max to the day I die. Your name I'll glorify. Okay. So he said, I seen lights shine bright. I seen casting crowns. I seen good. I go to Thrive BBS on Wednesdays. Last night I saw Jesus. Love, James. Isn't that powerful? Now, even though James may not be able to share the gospel the way some of us feel an individual should, if he shared this, this is his way to be a co-laborer. If he took this, printed it out, and passed it out, would he be doing ministry? Mm -hmm. Yes, he would be a co-laborer. Your goal, first of all, identify where you are as an individual. And I encourage you to be honest about it, okay? In order for you as an individual, because you are here because you will be leading, possibly, the ministry, you have to take the time to build genuine relationships in order to move from whatever stage you identify yourself on to stage five, okay? From there, your goal is going to be to get your church to move in that same direction. Alright? So, the next one just says what I just said. What stage are you on personally? Collectively, what stage is your church on? Okay? So, I want you to think about that. Alright. Why? Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. Alright? There is a crowd. Why did they make an opening in the roof and dig through? Again, because there was a crowd. What are your barriers for starting a ministry? Is there a crowd? Is there people around you who are maybe in that stage that says, I hope that someone will take the time to show them God's love? What are your barriers? These individuals, even though there was a crowd, and think about it, it said that Jesus was sharing the word. This was not a crowd of people who weren't hearing the truth. So why did they not move to let them in? Why was there a need to open up the roof and lower them down? You may be surrounded by a lot of barriers, but what, if you're already in the ministry, this is a word that I use, sometimes you have to relaunch the ministry. What I just shared with you, those stages, might cause you to relaunch a ministry. That means to come with a different vision for your ministry and to get everybody on board. We're going to talk about that. But one of the things you need to identify are your barriers. These four men identified the barrier, which was the crowd, and they came up with a plan in order to get him to Jesus. So, I find it on your, your PowerPoint. You have this, just in case you want to take notes. Why start a special needs ministry? Okay, so we went from the who to the why. From the who to the why. First of all, the Great Commission. Listen to this. Mark 16, 15. Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Preach to who? 
gotta make that. Preach to who? All creation. All creation. Did he say they must walk, they must talk, they must be able to see, they can't have autism? Did he say that? Did it say that? Did the Great Commission say that? It did not. It said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's your first walk. Okay? Next, the accessible gospel. What you have to understand is that the gospel has to be, has to be accessible. That means, how is it able to be reached by those who are blind? Think about it. If, you're, if a person is blind, how can they assess? How can they understand the gospel? By what, maybe? By what? Right. Just because they're blind, does that mean they can't hear? Have you ever been around someone? No, this is so funny to me. You see someone who's blind, and they're coming into, say, your church. Hopefully not. But say they're coming into a restaurant, and this is what someone does. Can I help you? Do you need help? What are they assuming? That she can't what? Even though she is blind, no one said that she was dead. You ever see people doing that? Think about it. If you haven't seen it in person, maybe on TV. But people quickly assume limitations. Right? When they see a disability, a lot of times we quickly assume limitations. And so, what the second part is, is you have to figure out how to make the gospel accessible. How is it able to be reached by those who are deaf, nonverbal, diagnosed with autism, Asperger's, all those different things? Number three, relationships. Remember stage four, friendship. A genuine opportunity to come to know and spend time with a friend who has a disability. Why should you start a special needs ministry? Because the Great Commission, because your goal is to make the gospel accessible, let me stop for a moment. I got a chance to slide into the end of the message, his story. And I was so inspired by him at the end of the large group session talking about his story and how important it is to tell it. And I'm always thinking, are we thinking about telling it to everybody? How are we making it accessible, right? Then stage, then number three, again, relationships. In order for those in your church, for you as an individual, to move to stage five, you have to build relationships. Now, you will maybe have a lot of people in your church, and I know I still deal with this, who are just outright afraid. You know, we dealt with something dealing with when our, we have a great ministry, but it's not the only part of what we do. What? What is, what are, we, we have to think about, what are our families experiencing when they drive up into the parking lot? What are they experiencing when they get out of their car and they walk to the ministry down the hallway? We found that there were a lot of people in hospitality who would do this when they came down the hallway, right? Or there are a lot of people that if you are with her and she's in a wheelchair, they're talking to you and they never acknowledge her. So we had to do some training for hospitality. I actually had to make a video just telling them it was okay to be afraid it was okay to be unsure, but here is what you do, all right? So in order to build relationships, in order to create those environments for relationship building, you may have to do some training. You may have to talk to some people about, last one, co-labels. Why start a special needs ministry? The Great Commission, making the gospel accessible, allowing everyone, everyone in your church, not just in that special needs ministry, to have genuine opportunities to build relationships. Now, so if you're thinking about having a room for special needs ministry, right? There's nothing wrong with that. 
But can you keep them all in that room all the time? Never interacting with other people. Never going to be around other students. Now, some students, it's a little harder to do that, right? If you get someone who's physical, who has a lot of meltdowns, right? But one of the things I've learned, that it's really cool to take a student out into an environment and let them be themselves. Not really anybody, but people learn to accept people who are a little different. But if they never have that opportunity, a lot of times it's always away from them when they have that, will they be able to build those relationships. That's what you need to think about, okay? So, the how. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus. I, I just think this is, this is miraculous to me to think of someone actually realizing they can't get through the crowd and actually being willing. Now, first of all, they said the roof. So that means they had to do what to get to the roof? They had to climb. It wasn't like they just walked through a door. They had to actually climb. Remember, someone's laying on a mat and they had to get him up to the roof tear through the roof, and then lower him down. Starting a special needs ministry is like making an opening in the roof. Think about this. Digging through it and lowering someone down in the midst of a crowd with the goal of getting them to Jesus. Starting a special needs ministry, relaunching a special needs ministry, restructuring a special needs ministry is like digging through a roof. Because you have a lot of barriers sometimes to why you should do it, including budget. Anybody have any budget issues sometimes? People say, well, that's not in the budget. I don't know if we can do that. Anybody ever heard that? Maybe it's just me. But sometimes you have people who are saying, wait a second, there's a crowd. There's too many people saying no. So starting a special needs ministry means you have to figure out how to peel back everything around you, step in and show and share the vision in the midst of everybody saying no, right? So let's get to the heart of this. First, we're going to talk about prepare. When you prepare, if you're already, I've talked to several of you all already when you first came in, so I know a little bit about where you are. So one of the things I like to encourage is that you just step back for a moment and observe. Observe the current environment. You already have students with special needs, right? How are those teachers already interacting with those students? Do you have buddies working with those students? Um, what type of training has been done around you for those students, right? What stage? Now you're going to go back looking differently because you're going to say, well, wait a minute, what stage are we on? So I want you to observe. After you do that or in the midst of doing that, you're going to do a lot of praying. Okay? You have to be led by the Holy Spirit to do this ministry. Because there are so many things, in any ministry, but there are so many things that are going to try to tell you no and not to do this. <laughs> including society. Right? There are a lot of students, you'll hear me um, tomorrow if you're here, I like to talk about, a lot of times you hear the word inclusion. Anybody ever heard that word? Yeah. Alright. So within our ministry, I don't stop there. Because when someone includes me, they can tell me to come sit down next to them and never talk to me. I'm just included. I guarantee you they can say, yeah, Monique's included. She sits, to, she sits next to me every Sunday. Now, if someone says, what is your last name? Where is she from? How many kids does she have? That person might say, oh, I don't know, but she's included. So what we term is inclusion to belong. 
There's a difference. When you belong to a group, that means the people in that group already understand that you are a valuable member of that group. Everything that they're doing, everything that they're saying, you must be a part of that. So inclusion for us is one step, but it has to go beyond that to belonging. That moves everybody towards that stage five. Because when I belong, you're going to make sure that the gospel is accessible. You're going to make sure that I'm included, but also that you tell me about the party that's going on on Saturday. You've been that I've had students who have dealt with that, where they are a part of, for instance, we have Upwork, a lot of you all have Upwork maybe, they're a part of the team, but they never got the invitation to the party because they're included, but they do not what? Belong. There's a difference, okay? And then the next thing is, you need to, and all of you, I think we were talking, it's very important, guys, that you tour. Go find out close to you who's already doing what you're thinking about doing. Now, I can tell you, you're going to go some places and you might say, mm -mm, we're not doing that. But guess what? If you go see some of that, and then you can kind of, okay, well, good and bad. I'm going to take something away. You can always learn something, even if you learn what not to do, right? But go tour. We have a lot of people that come to our ministry to tour. Again, from here, we're about four hours away, so it doesn't work for everybody. But if you're in that area, we're always open. I do it on Thursdays. But it's good to see. It's good to see. And then you're going to connect. Now, one of the things we do in our area, and I encourage all of you all, is that you have to connect with others who are in special needs ministry. Because only you know what they're talking about. When you sit, for instance, we, we get together quarterly. And I love this because it's, a, it's across denominations. Because see, special needs takes you beyond that. Special needs takes you beyond barriers that people put up. Okay? So there are a lot of people that I get together with that there are some things that are different. But when we get together, we're talking about special needs ministry. We're talking about how to support each other. And I have some friends that I'll email when I first started. I'll email them and say, hey, what are you, what are you doing about snack? I'm thinking about not doing snack because there's so many allergies. And then she'll email me back and say, well, we do snack, we do this, this, and this. That's because you're going to connect. You will need it. You will need the support of other leaders around you. And also, believe it or not, even though your church is probably the best church ever, everybody's not coming to your church. First of all, it's not probably available or close to everybody. You might meet somebody at this conference, right? But they're not close to your home. So if you have a relationship with another ministry, and as long as they're teaching the word and believing in Jesus, I did say across the denominations, right? Um, then you might be able to be that connection to that family because that church is closer to them. So when you connect, there's no competition. There is community. There is connection. Does that, do you understand that? And right here as you prepare, guys, you have to write it all out. Do not start just with it up here. You have to write it all out. And what I mean is, let's look at it. Can you give them one of the cards that are over there? Thank you. On the back of the card, I'm going to show you something. She's going to pass to you. So this is our ministry card. And on the back was a lot of prayer and a lot of writing. And I can tell you what I started doing was putting my notebook next to my nights on my nightstand. Because a lot of it would come to me in the middle of the night. I'm going to encourage you to have some of these basics. You should always have a verse that grounds you. So when everybody or anything is coming against you, go back to that verse. 
I can do all things through Christ Jesus gives, gives me the motivation to continue to do what it is I do because I know that our students can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. So when I am challenged by a behavior, when I'm challenged by the lack of volunteers, anybody has that problem? I can remember this verse and it grounds me, okay? So if you haven't done that yet, find a verse that grounds you. The next thing is, is our purpose statement. Now, I encourage people, and I learned this too from researching, you cannot have a paragraph, two-page letter, for your purpose statement. I learned this from my pastor. People have to be able to catch it, okay? So when you get ready to share what the purpose is of your ministry, people have, they need to be able to catch it, okay? So one of the things that we did, even shorter than what's on that card, is we wear it all the time, okay? So if you have a t-shirt or a shirt, for your ministry, put your purpose statement on it. When people, when they're walking around all the time, they see it, they're reminded. Whenever I have a training or a meeting, I'm gonna show you what we do. This is how people catch it, all right? Some of you are quiet, you're gonna have to touch me. Anybody willing to come touch me, it's okay. Now you're getting into special needs ministry, so you gotta loosen up. You're gonna be a lot of touching, a lot of touching. Come on, I need one more. I'm gonna show you, up. Oh, ready? Yeah. All right, we'll stand right here. So this is how I do all of my trainings. This is how I joke with our volunteers. I said, look, if you're in Walmart and you have a Thrive shirt on and someone comes up to you and say, what is Thrive all about? Okay, this is what they have to do. You ready? Mm -hmm. Partner with families. We're gonna go down. Build relationships. And we're gonna step out and we're gonna open our hands. Create an environment. All right, one more time. So they have to grab that person who does not know them, mm -hmm. and they have to say, partner with families, go down, build relationships, create an environment. All right, so do you think your people would catch that if you did it all the time? Do you think that would ground your ministry and really help people understand your purpose? Okay, thank you guys. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do as you're praying through this, you have to formulate what it is God is placing in your heart. You need to pray through that because when it's a challenge again, you have to be able to go back to those things that God has given you. Make sure that your purpose statement can be caught. Make sure that whatever you're doing, I'm telling you, whatever email I'm sending, whenever um, our goals that I have to write for the ministry, they always include partnering with families, building relationships, and creating an environment. Now from that environment, I can tell you, that I had to work on the fact that there are a lot of people at our church who thought the environment only included that very fancy suite I told you about. I am working really hard to change the minds of people to understand the environment is our entire church. The environment is our entire campus. Every ministry our students should be involved in. Every activity, everything should be made accessible. There's a lot of times we were doing these great events and they weren't thinking about that when they got ready to get inflatables. When they got ready to do something outside, no one thought to go talk to Monique, make sure it's accessible. So I had to start speaking up on that. And I had to say, look, if you're doing something at this church, it all you always have to have in your mind, is it accessible? Is it accessible? Okay? So you are going to work on those very important things when it comes to writing it out. I spent a lot of time on that prepare because share is where you have to be ready. So with share, this is how I did it. So I'm working in elementary ministry, all right? So I have a director over me, I'm an associate. So once God started to work some things out in my heart, 
honestly guys I thought I was I said I'm not equipped for this I'm just a I'm not even a sped teacher I got to tell you that part my background is just elementary education and um, I went several years I had a master's and all that in that but never sped okay so we did the night to shine and things are happening I'm writing stuff is coming to me at night the ministry is there. Let me go back. I was over kindergarten, first and second, and special needs. Okay, just to put it into perspective, our church is about twenty-four thousand members. Okay, so if I'm over kindergarten, first and second, it's a lot of kids, right? Our VBS is up to about two thousand students. So just put that in perspective. So what do you think happens to special needs? Right. So that went on for years. When I started in this ministry, my boss, my director, would say, "None of this stuff ever came up until you started." Nobody was ever having issues with students doing this and parents being unhappy about this. But you know what? God was at work. He was at work. And so once I got all this in my mind and we started talking about it after the first year with Night to Shine, I went to my director. Okay, And I said, this is something I feel very strongly about. So I was very respectful of leadership. I did not go straight to my pastor. Did you hear that part? I started with my director. Even though I knew if I'm talking to her about this, guess what that meant? that I was going to be leaving her ministry, okay? So I formulated all this. I talked to the director. She was, it was just God, worked it all out. I'm still unsure if I should do this, but it was feeling very strong in my heart. And so she scheduled a time for me to go talk to our lead pastor. So I went to him. I promise you, it was still on, like, notebook paper. And I'm sitting there in his office reading and talking to him about the ministry just from what I had written on notebook paper. And he's, he's listening. He's listening to me. When it got to the point, believe it or not, when he was really open to me doing it, I was afraid. And I remember, I remember this and I love this story. So I'm going to share this with you for anybody in here who feel they're not equipped to do it. So he said to me, he said, he showed me. So my first year, 1998, I left Alabama. I came to Georgia. And I started teaching at the school in Sandy Springs, right out in Fulton County. My first year. First year, I never thought about this until I had to make this decision about special needs ministry. I was a co-teacher. I was partnered with the second grade SPED teacher. First year teacher, he brought this back to my memory. And he said, I've been preparing you since that day. And that's when I knew that I was supposed to say yes. So if anybody's in here with doubt, anybody's thinking I don't have what I need to do this, the next thing I said, God, okay, now if I do this, you have to bring me everything that I don't have. So in that year, right before I left um, Cherokee County, I met two wonderful ladies who were SPED facilitators who happened to go to our church. Guess what they did the year I started in special needs ministry? They retired from the school system. Oh. And I went to them and I said, hey, I need someone training. Because they had SPED background. I didn't have that. God told me he would give me everything I needed that I did not possess. Okay? I said that to encourage someone in this room who feels they are not qualified to do what it is God has called you to do. He's equipped you to do it, and whatever you do not possess, he will bring people alongside you to do what it is he's called you to do. Okay, So I just want to share that. From there, I went and I started talking to a couple of doctors who specialize in autism because I was very strategic. If you, I think I have a, I'm going to show you a video if we get to that, about the colors that we use. The equipment. So I went and talked to some professionals. I started talking to volunteers. I started talking to parents. Because again, I just want to tell you again, believe it or not, you're not all knowing. I know we feel powerful. We all know all the information. Not you, I know, and not everybody. Some people, you ever get that volunteer who is not teachable? They know everything. See, you're like, mm -hmm. but it's so important to talk to your parents. 
So you're going to observe your current environment. Once you do that, you've already told me you are planning to go to your one of the students' school. You're talking to parents. You're going to find out the needs, right? And then your ministry leaders. So this is the advice I got from someone that I went to tour their environment. The first month, probably about two months, she told me, spend that time meeting every ministry leader at your church individually. So I sent out an email and I told him I wanted to meet with him. I had the vision on paper, but my goal was to go. She told me, go with a mindset of supporting them. Learn about their ministry. Then talk to them about how we work together. In order for you to get your whole church on board, in order for you to get all the leaders on board, in order for you to be able to take students to elementary, preschool, middle school, high school, even if you've already started, I would ask you to backtrack and go back and have these personal relationships, building conversations. Because you need those leaders to be, if not close to stage five, moving towards stage five. So that when your students are in their ministry, they're not just put over in the corner and included but not what? Alone. Okay? So, ministry leaders. Now, I want you to get past share and then you're going to establish. Do you have the space? What about the location? Don't put it in the basement. Don't put it on the back of the building. What about the location? What about the ministry structure? We're going to talk about that. Should you have a, just a buddy system? Should you have a suite? Should you have a sensory room? Somebody else was telling me, should you have a room? Should you have both? Okay, this is all the stuff you're writing out. These are all the things you're going to write out. Think through it. What about budget? We actually had a designer. Spent way too much, but we got a designer. Okay, the environment. That is a key. Again, the environment we're going to talk about. What are your recruiting strategies? Do you have a team with you? Are you alone? Are you like those four who dug those holes? Do you, do you have maybe one or two who's, oh, I love the way she accidentally came into this classroom and he said, because they're, they're at the same church, he said, oh, I thought you were in here to help me. And she said, well, maybe I'll stay. That's God. Right? That's God at work. Because he can't do what God has called him to do alone. Right? You can't either. You have to have some people on your team. You must go back and talk to that team about these stages. I want you to share this, okay? All right, so what are your next steps? How many people have their lead pastor bought into the vision? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's happening, all right? If not, this is a must. Because when he stands before the congregation, what is he going to say? What is he going to say? How is he going to support your ministry? What is he going to say about that? Okay. The tricky part is making sure your pastor is on stage five. That's the difference. You can have some people who are supporting you in a sense, but they're thinking, you know, we'll, we'll create a nice little area for them. We'll, we'll invest some budget money for them. But what about, and I've had this challenge, my boss said, when I told him, I said, we, we got to get everybody out of this suite. He said, you spent all that money on that suite and you're trying to get them out? That's, the, that's exactly what he said. And this is not my lead pastor. This is my senior. Well, we have a senior team. I think your structures are like that. And he is over me, so he's my boss. And I said, what do you mean? And so I had to talk to him about the vision. Okay? Next thing. Establish measurable goals. I wrote down something. For instance, we want to establish a buddy system for at least five students by January 2020. 
that might just be, but that's a measurable goal because you said five. And you said by January 2020. But guess what the next word says down there? Flexible. Flexible. There are a lot of things in this ministry that causes you to be flexible, including chasing someone down the hallway. Flexible, right? But your measurable goals have to be flexible. Next, anybody has ever launched their ministry? Think about that. Yes? We did a full ribbon cutting ceremony. We videotaped it. We had people outside our doors because, again, we wanted the entire church to understand what was happening. So even though that ministry had been there since 1993, okay, not until two, so that would have been 2017, did we relaunch and have a ribbon cutting ceremony. Did we let everybody know about this vision and what was going on? I would encourage you to consider. Once you have gone back and you've thought about, you've written out, you've prayed about it, you have this vision, you have this purpose statement that people can catch, I would encourage you to build your team, empower your team, and then get the whole and get the entire church involved in what is called a relaunch. Some of you all are going to be launching a ministry. You haven't started anything yet, right? And the next thing says, use the necessary tools to ensure the foundation is strong. So, let's see, what did I put here? Oh, we talked about catching the vision already. All right, here, okay, so, I am so excited, thinking about this church, let's see, no, let's just think about food, because I love to eat, okay. I am so excited about going to eat shrimp, okay? Shrimp is so good for you. Now, we're in church, but I'm gonna tell a little tale, all right? So I'm, I'm, in, I'm telling you about this shrimp. Oh my gosh, fried shrimp. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. It makes you strong, and they, it increases it. It, um, it causes your vision to be increased. What I'm doing is I'm trying to take the passion that I have for shrimp, and I'm trying to give it to you. All right? Because you know why? Because I'm trying to get you to follow me to this restaurant to get shrimp. Now I want you to think about your ministry. First of all, if you're not passionate about what you're going to do, you're not going to have anybody following you, right? You must be passionate so much so that you can articulate it, you can demonstrate it, you can share it, because you're trying to get people to come along behind you or beside you and follow you to this restaurant where they must eat shrimp. You can smell it. Yes. You want shrimp too? Yes. Do you understand that? Think about it for a moment. So if you're standing somewhere and saying, yeah, we should really start this special needs ministry. It's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Um, it'll be good. We, we can minister to people. We can, we can help people. Would you follow me with that? Mm-hmm. Now, just last week, I was in one of the breakout sessions. I probably took over. I'm a little extra sometimes, okay? So I'm sitting there. And the teacher of the breakout session says, everybody introduce yourself, where you're from, what you do. So you know, most people, you know, church, we're proper, we're sitting there, and they say, yeah, I'm from First Baptist Cartersville, and I lead the children's ministry. And, and not that they were, I mean, they were passionate, you could tell they really love their ministry. Now this poor teacher didn't know me, so he said, okay, it was my turn. I get up in the middle of this man's class, and I say, if you don't have a special needs ministry, 
then you are missing it because a special needs ministry means that your church is ready to share the vision. And a special needs, and I was just talking, and they're looking at me like, oh my God, guess what teacher said? Well, she's pretty passionate. And I'm like this all the time. Because when God gives you something, you know that it's yours and that he's given it to you to do. Well, first of all, it's his, but he's given it to you to do. And you are passionate about it. You lead differently. Okay? So I want you to, honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you're not passionate about this, don't do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be a little nervous and a little scared and not sure how to do it. But when it stirs in your spirit, like when you're sitting somewhere and you see somebody left out, how do you feel? Like, I have to calm down sometimes because I'm like, did you see that? Like, I'm in the store. My kids now have caught on to it. They'll come running down the aisle. Mom, mom, there's somebody over there in the wheelchair. Go talk to them. And I'll go over there. My kids have caught it. But again, you have to be passionate about this because you may be the only advocate for that family, for that student. Okay? Now, again, I don't want to discourage anybody who's sitting here thinking, well, I'm not sure. I don't have to do that anyway, because I'm telling you, if you're sitting in here, God is already at work. Because there's so many classes to choose from. You're in here on purpose. Okay? So, here's the basics. You're at a church already, and there are a few students you've identified with special needs. Without a large bu budget, you can start with the basics. Okay? So, I would say the basics is the buddy system. You're utilizing what you already have in place. Okay? So, let's see. Let's start. So, with this, go back to what I said about going and meeting with the other ministry leaders. So, you're going to go. For us, right now, honestly, we're starting to really focus in on preschool and elementary. So, I went to the preschool leader. I met with them. I met with the elementary leader. Again, after I did um, about a year or so ago. And I said, now... I don't want to just send students to your ministry based on their last name. Just go take Johnny. Now, Johnny's a little active. Now, we have one little boy. So sweet. We call it a, a locator on his ankle right there. You know why, right? Because he will take off. So if I'm just going to take little Johnny and just send him in your class, Carol, I didn't tell you he was coming. I didn't prepare you. And he's making laps around your room. First of all, this is a volunteer who does not get paid who may never have been trained in education, and you just stuck Johnny in her class, maybe with a buddy, but you didn't prepare Carol. So what we did is we went back. So if you're already doing this, I want you to backtrack just a little bit. And I want you to think about preparing the environment. This is the basics. So you're going to partner with, say, middle school. What we're not going to do, we're starting with preschool and elementary. Now, we have students. I didn't tell you this. Our youngest student is three. Our oldest student is 58. We take all ages, all abilities. Okay? But we're, fo we're focusing right now to see how it works. We're going to start with preschool and elementary. I asked them, I said, go. And I said, don't present it where someone can say it. They have to feel bad about saying no. Go find out who's willing to have a student with special needs and a buddy in their classroom. Okay? If they're willing, just let them contact you and say yes. So that's where we started. So even though we have 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock classes, remember I told you we have a big ministry. I may only have two teachers who said yes at 8. I may only have three or four who said yes at 9.30, and maybe only one or two again at 11. Now, my goal is to partner with those teachers, which I am doing a training in elementary this Sunday coming up, and I'm going to talk to them about classroom management. I'm going to talk to them about just behavior things. I'm going to answer any questions they might have because I'm preparing the environment. 
okay? You want to decrease the opportunities for things to just go haywire. You want to prepare the environment. Because a lot of times, people's first experience with some of our students could, could change their whole way of thinking, right? You know how I know a lot of churches tell me they have a student who takes off running, you know, and, and everybody's, this is funny to me, but they take off running down this hallway right here, and all the teachers come out and try to help. You know, and anybody who's dealt with special students with special needs, you understand the more people causes the more what? Overstimulation, right? So they're all running out trying to help you because they, they are convinced you have no idea what you're doing. That's pretty much how people think if you're not preparing the environment before you go out. Help them to understand there is a coach in place. There is buddy, there are buddies in place, and we actually do know what we're doing. So if he runs down the hall, just get out of the way and let us help. Now, he's headed towards the street, step in the way, and catch him, right? But you have to prepare the environment, partnership. Buddies, guys, we start with sixth graders. I learned this from someone that I went to show. If you recruit people who are older, not saying you shouldn't, but a lot of times the closer they are to graduation, the less amount of time you have with them. You've trained them, you've gotten them ready, and then they graduate and leave. So we start with sixth graders. Now, we do tell the parents up front, because they have to do some different types of paperwork, but we say we want them to come in and we want to observe them in the environment, because some of them don't have the maturity level to handle that ministry. So we start our buddies at sixth grade. At sixth grade. We train them just like we train every other buddy. The parents have to have a buy-in. I just started that when we have a training, for anybody who's under probably the age of 16, 17, a parent must accompany them to the training. Because if you get parents bought into the vision, even though they're not serving, they're going to hold that child accountable to be on time and to be where they're supposed to be. The other thing about buddies that we do a little differently is that we only ask people to serve two Sundays a month. We have a first and third team and a second and fourth team. Um, so when I was in elementary, we did not do that. We had people serving every Sunday. And a lot of them got burned out. A lot of them were not involved in their own Sunday schools and ministries. Not saying, because I know that still works in a lot of places. Um, but I'm just saying, asking you to think about that because your ministry sometimes, special needs ministry, call, requires a lot of energy sometimes. And you want those buddies. Also, when you do two teams like that, if someone's traveling, they can call the buddy on the other team and say, hey, can you switch Sundays with me? And that helps you with your subs. So that's how we do our buddies. That's also a little bit about training. We're going to go back to that. And our resources. See what I put here. Our resources will come back to that. So let me move on. Check the time. All right. Good. Now, again, I do a lot of teaching from the Word of God. So probably a couple months ago, I was asked to do Orange Conference and to teach on um, recruiting. And I went to do a lot of prayer. I went to John 1. I'm going to share just a little bit because I don't have time to share all of it. But I'm going to tell you, God taught me so much about recruiting. I want to share this with you because how many people feel recruiting might be the most challenging thing in ministry? Anybody agree with me? Because can we do ministry without volunteers? Not really. Not really good, right? And you need more than one volunteer, right? So the thing about recruiting that God showed me is in John 1. Let me share a little bit with you. I'm going to go quick because I can't share all of it as I did in this conference. Okay. So there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness, remember that word, witness, to testify concerning that, that light, so that through him 
all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness. Do you remember that? Okay? Here's the second part. So they asked John, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent you or who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah, I am the voice. I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. We're going to talk a moment in a moment about the voice. John was a witness. He was a voice. He was sent to prepare people for what was coming. Think about your volunteers like this. Think about recruiting. Okay? I'm going to show you the connection. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So what John was doing was telling people, Look, there he is. Look, know what he looks like. Be prepared. Okay? You'll see the connection in a moment. The next day, I'm moving down because I can't do all of it. John was there again. But this time, this is what I love. John was there with two disciples. What did John do? How did he get those two disciples? He recruited. Think about this. The way that John got the next day, John came back with two more. What was John doing that caused these people to follow him? How did he get two more disciples to follow him in that vision? Because John was the what? The voice. He was the witness. He was not Jesus, but he was the voice. You're going to be able to identify the voice of your ministry in a moment. Okay? Because the voice is what's going to recruit for your ministry. This is what God showed me. It was totally different from anything I've ever done when it comes to recruiting. And this is the next day. We got that one. When the two disciples heard him, first of all, let's go back. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look. So he told him again, look, there's the Lamb of God. He's been preparing them. He, he know, not only did he recruit them, he's training them to see and to be able to identify who Jesus was. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. How did they follow Jesus? Only because they knew what to look for. Because John did his job of training and recruiting them. So that when Jesus appeared, they would know him. Okay? And then it says, this is the last part I love. So the two disciples followed Jesus. And Jesus said to them, love this part, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come. I'm going to tell you about something that God showed me. And it's called come and see. It's an event that you would plan. So we're going to go through this rather quickly. So what the voice is, what John and what I learned from this, is that you are going to identify the voice of the ministry. Here are some different voices you might have in your ministry. Or here is the voice, if you're standing alone, you're a voice by yourself. You may have some youth in your ministry. That's a voice. You know why? Because a youth can quickly connect to another youth. The voice of your ministry is that you have youth in your ministry. When I tell you a lot of our sixth graders go back and bring, like John did, other people with him, because their testimony, their witness is different from me giving. We always joke around and I call myself old people. So the old people witness is different from the young person who they can identify with. This will revolutionize your recruiting. If you identify the voice, you, senior adult, your pastor, that's why I say you have to have buy-in from your pastor. Your pastor is a voice. Your pastor is a witness to your ministry or to the ministry you're looking to start. 
a volunteer, a retired educator. When I tell you it's challenging to get a teacher who's taught Monday through Friday in this in special needs to want to do Sunday, but when you get those one or two and they go back and tell another teacher how different it is from trying to force a student to read, write, and sit in a chair, and how the ministry allows them to have fun and to enjoy what it is that God has given them to do, because a lot of times they don't enjoy it Monday through Friday sometimes, that's a voice. That person can recruit a teacher faster than you can. Okay, so you're going to identify your voice. Then you're going to 3E the voice. You're going to encourage the voice. Talk to the voice about their gifts, their talents, what they possess. Let the voice know how powerful they are to recruit the like-minded people. Okay? Then you're going to establish the voice. You're going to talk to them about what it means to be the voice, how they share their vision. You're going to equip them. Okay? Now you're going to plan some events. This is how it all comes together. So John knew that Jesus was coming. That's an event. Okay? So this event is planned. Think about it like that. So what John is doing is getting people over here ready for this big event that's coming. So that when they are at that event, when John and all of them are there, they're going to be the voice. So next time you have any type of event, not even just you, think about any ministry at your church. You're going to strategically plant your voices at that event. So that they are constantly walking around any opportunity God gives them talking about the ministry. They're the voice. Think about recruiting differently. The voice is going to connect with people that you never thought you could. So when you identify the voice, here's what we call come and see. So what I did, and the other one, I'm going to go through all of them and I'm going to show you some quick pictures. So we have a sensory friendly worship experience, a dance, which is night to shine. We have a ministry-focused Sunday. The entire Sunday morning, our students were ushers, they were greeters, they were in the choir, and the entire service was dedicated to that ministry. Okay, That's a great way for people to see and to know the vision. And then we haven't done a talent show yet, but I saw this at a camp, and I want to do that. So, I want you to listen to just a little bit of this. Hi, I'm Lindsay. Go back. Go back. Yes, so these are examples of the voices. I want you to hear just a little bit about how they speak and what I've taught them to do, okay? Because you're gonna do the same thing with voices for your ministry. Okay, so I'm only gonna play a little bit. Ooh. Hi, I'm Lindsay, and um, I have been working with Thrive probably about two years now. Um, I saw the video in church, and um, I had just been praying about, you know, how can I be involved in church? What area is going to best suit me? Um, and as being a speech therapist, um, I already had a passion for students with special needs and their families and just um, interacting with them. So when I saw the Thrive video, I just knew that's what I want to do. So I'd come to a place in my life where I really wanted to follow Jesus and um, the Holy Spirit had really led me to understand that serving others was paramount, was, was very, very important. So I really diligently prayed for guidance on where I should serve in the church. Uh, the opportunity came to volunteer with the Tim Tebow Night to Shine event. And I got to tell you, God knows what he's doing because after that, I was hooked. Um, after that, I joined Thrive Ministry and I met a lot of awesome people who really just wanted to serve other people and show them the love of Jesus in a tangible way. Hi, my name is Amy and I'm a Thrive volunteer that came to Thrive because of the passion of my son who was involved. I was serving in another ministry um, out of need and 
After seeing my son for a couple of years come home with all the excitement that he had serving in Thrive, I just felt a tug on my heart that I should probably come see what it's about. And I've developed a passion to see the kids that I work with really be able to participate as fully as possible in um, their activities and um, just to be as independent as possible in what we do. So I'm not going to be able to show you all of that, but I want you to identify those three voices, okay? Speech therapist, who's busy Monday through Friday. I specifically, first of all, if you notice, they had a sticker on them. So on our Come and See Sunday, this is what I got from Jesus right here in this verse. Remember, when they asked, when Rabbi, when Jesus said, they called him Rabbi, what do you want? What did they say? They said they want to know what he was saying. And what did Jesus say? Come and see. What I learned from John and Jesus in this chapter is that people have to see their visual learners in order for you to grasp and to get them to be a part of what's going on they need to see Jesus taught people through them following him right so a lot of these voices so you saw the speech therapist um, Stuart was a volunteer in Night and Shine never had served in special needs ministry before and then Amy was a parent of a youth who was serving they're standing in the hallway on a Sunday morning, strategic time in between services. They have a sticker on that says, ask me who I am. This is how I train them to do it. You greet them, you give them your name, you ask their name, and then you repeat their name. Believe it or not, we all do the same thing. Now they testify, their voice, their witness is a little different when you get to the testify, testify part. But they all go through this in the hallway. Okay? And then they're standing in the hallway Sunday morning, and when they get to the last part, which I can't show you in the video, I'm getting him to cut my videos too long. They ask them right then, would you like to come and see? Now, if they say no, it's busy, you give them a card, you tell them to pray about it. If they have any questions, they can call you. If they say yes, that's my end right there. That's our end. So they bring them to the ministry right then. A lot of times, you ever have those people who tell you they're interested at that moment? But then you don't hear for for a while, you know, and you see them in the hallway and they kind of move over when they see you and kind of... Sometimes people just need, when you capture their heart right then, they need that opportunity to see. So come and see means that now, once a person says, yes, I would love to see, they bring them to our ministry right then. They take them to your classroom where the students are in right then. You give them an opportunity to see and experience the ministry. Okay, and then we also have food in there. We always have snacks. People love to eat. You can always get people when you feed them. And so they take them to see the ministry. Here are some more events, really quick. So Amy's son, Jake, is in this picture, that first picture. And guess, he's a youth. And who is he talking to? What do you think? He's actually talking to another youth. Now, dad happens to be there, but Jake is connecting with another youth in this picture. Jake's voice and his witness is going to connect with that young man differently than I would. Okay? The one in the middle is our sensory friendly worship. This gives people the opportunity to experience our ministry. So this is, a lot of you all have noticed since I've been moving with Go Georgia, you have like your original chapel and a lot of you all have built another one. So when we have one service, we ask them for the other chapel. We lower the lights, we select the music, and this is the first time a lot of our parents have ever been in service with their students. We have the entire chapel. When I tell you we have some students who are making laps through the whole service, and mom and dad's right behind them, but they're smiling, they're so excited. And then we ask like the deacons and some other people to come and be in there. They were so nervous. When they left, they were like, 
I never thought, because you know, some people, when you say special needs, they go to the extreme in their mind. They're thinking, you know, people using, you know, all kinds of stuff. People hurting people, people running. You have to create opportunities, events that allow people to connect with those in your ministry. Okay? The next one here is a say yes. We do a campaign when you get ready to go in a moment. These are the cards. You can see what's on the back. And we get people to connect and say yes to serving in the ministry. Okay? The next one here is being intentional. Night to shine. And that red carpet experience, guys. When I tell you we've gotten, that's where Stuart was. Because when you experience those students coming down that red carpet, and people are screaming and yelling. Parents are crying, right? You're tugging at people's heart. Remember that video I showed you in the beginning, right? You show that video to some people, they might be, I'm not sure, but I'm supposed to help do something. They may be crying. But when people experience what it is, I can't even put into words sometimes what I experienced serving in this ministry, okay? And that's Amy. That's just a picture of her in the hallway. And if you notice, Amy is connecting. I think there were some other parents there so she's talking to other parents. She's the voice for your parents. All right? Now, I'm going to go through this quickly, but this is just some more recruiting things. It's just some ideas. You're going to call people out from among you. We have issues with teachers wanting to be coaches. And I can tell you more about our structure if you're here tomorrow. But a coach, are they're usually certified teachers. They're usually OT, PTs, nurses, things like that. They have experience. Well, in our structure, coaches, because we call ourselves a team, they call the plays. They have the strategies. And then we have buddies that work with the students. Every group has a coach that follows them around wherever they go right now within our suite. And we had trouble recruiting them. So we developed something called coaches in training. These are volunteers. You have those volunteers who want to be there every Sunday, who's always asking questions. What can I do? How can I help you? Right? Those are some people who can be trained to be leaders. Because a lot of times you have to identify people like that from within. Local colleges, people who are majoring in special education, you talked about, we were talking about somewhere where I said you might be able to, oh, the school, the autism school. Going to that school for autism. Those are where you might find, even if they're worn out and they don't want to serve on a Sunday, a lot of them, if you say, all we need is your knowledge. All I need is your wisdom. Just come train our volunteers. They will be willing to do that. Okay? Local clubs, I found that Beta Club, people like that, they need hours. Okay? Serve Sunday. We have a college ministry who on the fourth Sunday, they shut down their entire ministry. Everybody goes out and serve. Okay? That comes from people building a relationship with that ministry and really helping that ministry understand we need your age group. So their pastor said on the fourth Sunday, we're not meeting. Everybody's going out to serve. That's another way to call out from among you. Small groups, I have people who they don't want to serve, but their small group will do all the food for our parent events, do all the gifts for our volunteers. So those are some things to call out. The last thing here is training from vision. This is the last thing. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may ruin who reads it. We've already talked about this. Remember, I'm talking about your passion, your vision. People must understand it. Make it plain. If you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't even know what the vision is, spend the time developing that. Write it down. Pray about it. Okay? So, you're going to plan your training. Who needs training? Okay? you got to think about that. Because we train for everything. Here's a traffic light, for instance. We use this in, con in conjunction with a treasure box. Okay? 
So this traffic light usually has a clip on it. I don't see it over here. But your student's goal is to stay on green. Now, what has been trained in every, we train on everything that's connected to this. Now, this is what we teach our students, and we teach our volunteers to go over this every time they see their student for the first time. And that is nice hands, kind words, walking feet, listening ears. Nice hand, kind words, walking feet, listening ears. Simple, right? We're talking about some behavioral things. They respond. Some students respond to this so well. It's visual. And they know that if they stay on green, they get to go to a treasure box. But this is also good because the goal of our ministry is not just Wednesdays and Sundays. It's to teach life skills. You need to know how to regulate your behavior. You need to learn that. So sometimes I make a mistake and I go to yellow. Okay? Well, what do I need to do to get back to green? You train on everything. Don't just hand this to people and think that they're, they'll know what to do. So think about what you need to train. What, what do I need to train about? Who would I train? When would I train? All those different things. And this is in your PowerPoint, so I'm going to speed up. Um, what type of training is needed? Who can help you train? That's going back to those certified teachers. They're in your congregation. A lot of times when you don't, they don't, you don't know they're there. They don't know you need, but you have to figure out a way to share that need. That's why if your pastor's brought in, they can share social media. Let them know that you're looking for people who are, has, they have wisdom, they have training to come and help you. They're sitting there, a lot of them. Okay, your budget for training. I'm going to show you something really cool about that. So the training material, the conferences. All right. So bright threads. Love this. I'm going to give you a little another picture. So I am CPI trained, guys, which is a non-violence crisis intervention, which is very expensive. Okay. So if your church wants to invest in that, that's really good. What I teach is different ways to, well, I only teach staff ways of holding. Now this is not just for special needs ministry. This is for ministry dealing with anything. It's just dealing with how to de-escalate escalating situations. It's basically what I teach. For our volunteers, I teach them disengagement. How to get out of a bite, how to get out of being um, grabbed from the back. I teach them how to recognize anxiety. So the one in the middle is great. I'm going to show you another picture. The bright threads has blessed me because I paid $10 for it. I'm going to show you how detailed. I've used that for BBS training. I've used it for um, just our Sunday morning training. $10. After we've already invested thousands of dollars in CPI, now I'm on a $10 training. So it's really cool. Together We Believe is a conference that happens at Mount Parent in Atlanta. You can get most of your volunteers if you register. I think we have until September something for $40. This is a total special needs conference. Okay? That's good for training. The next thing is this is bright, this is the bright threads that I was just talking about. So you have learning to communicate, responding to meltdowns, managing classroom challenges, practicing community. Ten dollars. I'm actually sure when I teach Sunday, I'm teaching the elementary department on managing classroom challenges. Now I take it and I supplement a lot with it, handouts, things like that, but it's a great resource. This is what CPI looks like, just, just so you'll get a glimpse of it. I teach things about, when you notice anxiety, how to be supportive. When defensive, how to be directive. And misbehavior, how to show, how to physically, physical intervention. Okay, so CPI is a little bit more in depth. You're, you have all the resources there if you want to look into that and learn more about it. So, who? Who? Where are you as it relates to the stages? 
want you not to leave after all this talking I've done, after you've had dinner, and I can see some of you yarning over that home, yeah? You are not leaving here without, this is what I want to happen. I want you to get back to your hotel and the Holy Spirit's just going to jump on you and say, what stage are you on? You won't be able to go to sleep. But you have to identify what stage you're on. As you leave this conference, as God continues to stir in you, especially in ministry, you have to understand what stage you're on. Then you're going to move to what stage are the people around you? Those who I'm telling to join me in partnership. Though my church, where are we? Because when it comes to designing the special needs ministry, are those students learning the word of God? Are they learning the word of God with the goal of being co-laborers? There's a 71-year-old that was in our ministry. She passed away. And I meant to bring it with me. She used to draw. She, used to, she loved coloring. So she would have a coloring book and she would color pictures all the time. Now she wasn't verbal at all, really. She would bring it on Sunday and she would give it to you. Is she doing ministry? Because that was her way of doing it. Now sometimes she would write things on it, but a lot of times she would just color. That's what you gotta see. Don't limit people to doing ministry only the way you do it. Okay? Why? That ties into the why. Why do you do it? Think about the Great Commission. Think about um, the relationship building. The how. I went over a lot of that. Okay? The card that I gave you has my email on it. Because you're going to get back and you're going to say, how? Oh my goodness. Where do I start? Some of you. Some of you are already there. You just got to go back and just rethink some things. It's okay to think about the how. Do we do a buddy system? Do I have a sensory room? Do I... Honestly, you got to do both. The relationship part won't happen if you keep everybody tucked away in a room. Okay? Now, real quick. Anything you can think of. If not, you can email me. Now, I put questions here, but I do want you to look at that last page, which is very small writing. This is everything that I kind of used. So you have my information. You have the five stages, if you want to learn more about that. The Together Conference, CPI, Bright Threads Ministry. Um, Therapy is the video that I showed in the beginning. And then the Orange Conference. So the Orange Conference, anybody ever been? Anybody ever heard of it? So I want you to go and check that out. So they come to Gwinnett. I've been there three or four years. Um, it's in Gwinnett County, and it's in May, I think the 1st of May. I think we're starting the end of April, May. They have an entire special needs breakout session or group, okay? It's really cool. We go to lunch together. Now let me go back. When I first went, it was in Georgia, so I thought, right there, it's not Georgia, right? When I tell you people are there from China, People are there from all around the world. They fly into this ministry. I want you to go check that out. Orange Conference costs a little bit more than that $40 for Together Conference. I'm going to tell you that part. But the network building, the people that I've met, the things that I know that's going on in Texas, the things that I know that's going on over in Africa, I only would have experienced that at the Orange Conference. Okay? So, as you are building this in your mind, guys, because a lot of times we get used to just seeing things the way we see it, you got to broaden that. you got to get out and meet other people who are doing this. So you can say, okay, well, let me do this a little differently. Or maybe this works, maybe it doesn't. So I would encourage you, definitely the Together Conference, because that's, that's not too bad of a drive for some of you all, and it's just a Saturday, all day Saturday. And again, we can. I think last year we sent almost 20, 30 people because it's affordable. So you can send people from your ministry who's interested in learning more about special needs ministry, and that's the Together Conference. 
because all got special needs. Any questions? Can I get on the buddy system? Is mm -hmm. it usually the same buddy all the time, or do you change it? So most of our students, because we have the first and third team and the second and fourth team, they get introduced to maybe two or three different buddies. It depends on how long they stay. So we have service, we offer eight, nine, 30, and 11, but our rule is our students can't stay for more than two, okay? So for the most part, that student and that buddy is paired up all the time and they have a second one that they trade off with. The reason we do that is because we want our buddies to become what we call experts in that um, student. We also create opportunities for the buddy to build relationships. Partner with families, build relationships. So that buddy is in contact with that parent sometimes even during the week. That buddy, we have buddies who've gone to birthday parties, graduations, because we're building relationships. So yes, they get different buddies, but we're very strategic about how much we work on that relationship. So we can't do too many. Right. It's hard. Building. That's what happens in preschool where we are. Because preschool ministry, and not to talk about anybody in preschool ministry, but sometimes it's hard to get those consistent volunteers. So we are strategically choosing classes in preschool where we do have those teachers who are there pretty much every other Sunday. We have so many what we call um, the parents have to serve one Sunday a month kind of thing. And if we put our kids in that class, a lot of our students, they, they won't know anybody. And it'll be hard. So that's strategic. Anything else? You said parents? So for the most part, we don't ask students, we don't ask parents to serve. Preschool ministry has a system where if you have a child in preschool, they call them imprinters. They want you to serve. Now we do have some great, great parents who volunteer to serve, who have students in our ministry. Um, I would say we have about five. For the most part, they're not with their students is what you're asking. They are doing something different. Like we have some who are room leaders. That's a little structure I can talk about tomorrow, but we have Bible leaders. So really quick to tell you about our suite. We have a Bible room, an art room, a relaxed room, a music room, and a playroom. That came from years of teaching in one room and realizing how overstimulating it is. And actually I designed the suite that way first. We had kindergarten, first, second. That's how I did the first time. After laying in my bed, writing on that nightstand, I realized each room clearly communicates an expectation. When you go into the Bible room, there are no toys. There are no crayons. There are no markers. The only thing we put in every room is puzzles. But for the most part, there's only books and the Bible. When you go into the art room, there's no toys. There's only things that we use to do art. I'm going to talk tomorrow about how you accomplish that in one room. Okay? Any other questions? All right. Let us pray. Father, we are so, so very thankful for each and every individual sitting in this room who represents such a crowd of people. Equip them, Father, to tear the roof open, to peel back beyond every barrier. Give them vision, give them clarity, give them purpose, give them the scripture, everything that they need, Father, to go forward. Let not the enemy steal anything that was planted tonight. Let them go back to where you've already gone before them and prepare the hearts of those in the ministries where they serve, Father. For we know that you've created all of us, no matter what our abilities are, to love and to serve you and to share the gospel with others. We are so thankful for this opportunity. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. On the table.